we have a crisis in the world, tremendous crisis, and also crisis in our consciousness, in us. I see the urgency of change, radical revolution, mutation in the mind. I see it. It is necessary. There is complete quietness of the mind, and that which is silent has vast space. Only then that which is nameless comes into being. This is Urgency of Change, the Krishnamurti podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 53 of Urgency of Change. This episode is the third in the new season of the Krishnamurti podcast. Each weekly episode is based on a major theme of Krishnamurti's teachings, such as self-knowledge, authority, beauty, death and meditation. Extracts from our extensive archives have been carefully selected to represent Krishnamurti's different approaches over the years to each of these universal and timelessly relevant themes. This week's theme is passion. Upcoming themes are confusion, time and freedom. This is a podcast from Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. For more information about our activities and programmes, such as our volunteer programme at Brookwood Park in the UK, we are online at kfoundation.org. You can also find our daily quotes and videos on Instagram and Facebook at Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. This week's podcast has four sections. The first extract is from Krishnamurti's fourth talk in Madras, 1964, titled We Have Killed Passion. It seems to me that one of the major problems that confronts each one of us is this utter lack of intense feeling. We have a certain emotional, sustained excitement about activities, what should be done, what should not be done, get rather warm about things that really don't matter at all. And it seems to me that there is lack of passion. Not for particular end to be achieved, not for some objective to be gained. I'm talking of the sense of an intense, strong feeling. Because most of us have petty minds, small, narrow, fixed minds in a petty groove that runs along very smoothly until there is some kind of accident and then there is a trouble and get back to the another routine. 
and the petty mind cannot face problems. It has innumerable problems. The whole problem of living. And you know, invariably translates these extraordinarily significant problems of life into its own petty, narrow, limited understanding and tries to twist this enormous stream of existence of life into its own petty little channels. And that's what we are confronted with now. Probably always, but it seems to be much more so now, where the challenge is much greater and demands a response equally intense, equally strong, equally living. And this sense of passion is not a thing that you cultivate easily by taking some kind of drug, getting into a hypnotic state of, about some ideal, and so on. This passion comes naturally, must. And without passion, I'm using the word purposely, that word. For most of us, passion is implied only in, with regard to one thing, sex. Or you suffer passionately and try to resolve that suffering. But I'm using the word passion in the sense a state of mind, a state of being, a state of your inward core, if there is such a thing, that feels very strongly that is highly sensitive, that is sensitive both to dirt, to squalor, to poverty, to the enormous riches and the corruption, to the beauty of a tree and a bird, to a flow of water, and to a pond that has the evening sky upon it, to feel the, all this intensely, strongly. It's necessary, because without passion life becomes empty, shallow and without much meaning. If you can't see the beauty of a tree and love that tree, care for it intensely, you can't, you're not living. And I'm using the word deliberately. You're not living. Because with us, with Indians in this country, probably, religion is utterly divorced from beauty. Again, without being sensitive to the extraordinary beauty of life, 
you know, the beauty of a face, the, view, the line of a building, the shape of a tree, a bird on the wing, and the, and the morning song. If one is not aware of all that, feel that very strongly, obviously, life, which is cooperation and relationship, has no meaning at all. It is a function, mechanically. So, I would like to talk about that this evening. That personally is not devotion, sentimentalism. It has nothing to do with sensation. The moment passion has a motive or aroused by a motive for something, it becomes pleasure and pain. Please see this. I don't have to go into details. At now, because I want to go, we want to go into something more, further, into this thing. If passion is aroused sexually or for some purpose, aroused, has a cause, has an end in view, then in that so-called passion, there is frustration, there is pain, there is the demand for a conti continuity of, a, of pleasure, and therefore the fear of not having it and the avoidance of pain. So a passion with a motive or aroused invariably ends in despair, pain, frustration, anxiety. I'm talking, we are talking about passion without motive, which is quite a different thing. Whether it exists or not is for you to find out. But we know that passion aroused, ends in despair, in anxiety, in pain, or the demand for a particular form of pleasure. And in that there is conflict, there is contradiction, there is a constant demand. We are talking of a passion that is without motive. There is such passion. It's nothing to do with personal gain, loss, uh, all the petty little demands of a particular pleasure and, and the avoidance of pain. Because without that passion, you cannot possibly cooperate. And cooperation is life which is relationship.
not cooperation for an idea. Or you cooperate because the state drives you. Or for a reward, or the avoidance of a punishment, or working for a, some economic ideal, utopia. Or working together because of some ideal. Those for us is not, does not, or definitely is not conducive to cooperation. I am talking of the spirit of cooperation. Because we, if we do not cooperate, there can't be relationship. Life demands it that you and I cooperate, do things together, work together, feel together, live together, see things together. And this togetherness must be at the same time, at the same intensity, at the same level. Otherwise there is no togetherness. And as one observes, more and more in this rather sad and destructive world, the mind is becoming mechanical, routine, bound, technologically held in a narrow groove, and therefore gradually this sense of intensity, the feelings, feeling strongly about anything, fades away. And if you can, if you cannot feel strongly, obviously the mind is insensitive, dull, fearful, and all the rest of it. So. The passion we are talking about, which is really quite extraordinary if you can if you go into it, which is not tinged with suffering, which has which has no self-pity, which has no sense of fear or overachievement, it's a state of being. And to to understand it, we must understand this are. Especially for those people who have been brought up on religious ideas, religious sanctions, in a particular society where religion apparently, religion, so-called religion, plays an important part, and to realize that state, which, what they call God, there must be, the mind must be without desire. It, there must be no, desirelessness is one of the primary important things. To be without desire. You know, you probably, you know, all the books talking about it, all the shlokas and all the rest of the business. We 
have killed successfully, except in one direction sexually, all passion. And we have tamed desire, society, religion, living together. We have made it a, a thing that has no vitality. Because we have an idea that a mind, a being, uh, a human entity that has got strong feelings, verging on an intense desire, such a person cannot possibly understand that which is so-called God. What is wrong with desire? You all have it, either very strongly or in a weak, dull manner. Everybody has desire of some kind or other. What's wrong with it? Why do we so easily accept to subjugate, to destroy, to pervert, to suppress desire? Because apparently desire brings conflict. I desire to have wealth, to have a position, to have, uh, you know, fame, all the rest of it, and to, uh, to achieve fame, to have possession, to feel very strongly implies conflict, disturbance. And we don't want to be disturbed. That's all what we are essentially, deeply seeking, not to be disturbed. But when we are disturbed, we try to find a way out of it and settle back in a comforting state where nothing will disturb us. So, to us, desire is a disturbance. Please follow this. These are all psychological facts. It's not a matter of whether you accept it or don't accept it, whether you agree or disagree. These are facts. Not my facts, but facts. So, Desire then becomes a thing that must be controlled, that must be suppressed. And so all our effort goes into this, that at any price not to be disturbed, and anything that disturbed must be either suppressed, sublimated, or put aside. Please, as I said the other day, as I keep repeating, as we keep repeating in every talk, what is important is not to listen, to hear the words, 
but to actually listen. There is great beauty in listening. There is a bird outside the window, a kingfisher, this evening. Large beak and brilliant flower and feathers, blue, intense. It was coy. Another bird of similar kind, another kingfisher far away, was answering it. Just to listen to it. Not to say that is a kingfisher, how beautiful, or how ugly. I wish that crow would stop cawing. But just to listen to it. We do not know if you ever listen with that state of mind. Where there is no profit, no utilitarian purpose, where you are not getting something or avoiding something, just listen. Or seeing the sunset, that brilliant glow of an evening, with Venus, clear, and the slip of a young moon, just to look at it, and to feel it very strongly. And if you do listen, in that happy manner, with an ease, without any strain, then that very act of listening is a miracle. It is a miracle, because in that action, in that moment, you comprehend the whole act of listening, understanding, seeing. And you have broken down the walls. And there is space between you and the world and the thing you are listening to. And you must have that space to observe, to see, to listen. The wider, the deeper, that space, the more beauty, the more depth, a different quality comes into being when there is this space between you and the thing that you are listening. I am not being poetical, nor sentimental, or romantic, but we do not know how to listen. Just to listen to the wife or to the husband who is nagging or quarrelling or angry, who is bullying. Just to listen. And you understand a great deal. Then the heavens are wide open. Do it sometime. Don't try it, but do it.
and you'll find out for yourself. So in the same way, I hope you're listening. Because what we're talking about is something beyond mere word. The word is not the same. The word passion is not passion. And to feel that, and to be caught in it without any volition or directive or purpose. You have to listen to this thing called desire. Listen to your own desire, which you have plenty of, weak or strong. And see what tremendous damage you do when you suppress. when you distort, when you want to fulfil it, when you want to do something about it. When you have an opinion about it, and because most people have lost their desire And probably having had it once in their youth, to become rich man, to have fame, not to lead a bourgeois, respectable life, perhaps a vague muttering of that. And society, which is what you are, suppresses. And he has to adjust himself to you, for dead, for respectable, who have not a spark of passion. And he too becomes part of you, and thereby loses this passion. Because, you see, to understand this whole problem of desire, we must understand effort. Because we are, from the moment we go to the school till we die, we are making effort. Our mind, our psyche, is a battleground. There is never a moment of quietness, never a moment of ease, freedom, but always battling, 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 striving, pushing, gathering, avoiding, accumulating. This is what your life, I'm not describing something which is not. So our life is constant effort. 
But do you not know if you have not noticed that when you do not make an effort, which doesn't mean you stagnate, which doesn't mean you go to sleep, that you, if you have understood, as we shall begin to go into it presently, when the mind is with, when your whole being is without effort, then you see things very clearly, very sharply, with a vitality, with an energy, with a passion. The second extract is from the second talk in New Delhi, 1970, titled, Out of Sorrow Comes Passion. Now, when you remain with sorrow, without running away, without escaping, without verbalizing, completely remain with it, without any outward or inward movement, What happens? Have you ever done it? No, I'm afraid not. Have you ever done this? To remain with that sorrow, not resisting it, not trying to run away from it, not identifying yourself with it, but see what has happened? If you remain with it completely, what takes place? When you remain completely with it without any movement at all, movement of thought, you following all this? The movement is of thought that says, I don't like it, I must run away. I want pleasure, I must avoid this. So thought moves away. When thought doesn't move away at all, recognizes the whole structure of what sorrow is, then what takes place? Out of that sorrow comes passion. The word passion has its root in suffering. The word, the meaning of that word passion has its root in suffering. You see the connection? If you remain with the fact of anything, especially with the fact of sorrow, and not let thought wander away or explain it away or identify itself with it, but completely remain with it, then, it beca- then there is tremendous energy 
And out of that energy there is the flame of passion. So sorrow brings passion, not lust. And the passion you need to find out. You're following all this? You're doing it, are you? <laughs> so, there is an ending of sorrow, which doesn't mean that you become indifferent, callous. There is an ending of sorrow when there is no escape from it, and that very sorrow becomes the flame of passion. And passion is compassion. You understand? Compassion means passion for all. You understand? Which you can only find out through this flame of sorrow. So then, with that intensity, with that passion, one can find out then what is the quality of the mind that sees truth that any any function of thought, apart from when it is necessary, does not bring about harmony of living. You understand now? Because you have passion, you have an intensity, you have energy. The third extract is from the third talk in Bombay, 1974, titled Compassion Means Passion for All. You have given such immense importance to sex, haven't you? You are very silent. Your idea of a religious man is a human being that has no sexual relationship. So your gods are non-sexual, and you make such an ado about it. And there are those who say, you must have sex to realize God. You must go through that. And there are others who say, that's the only thing that matters in life. Why have you given such extraordinary importance to it? You understand? It's your misery, not mine. I'm asking you, 
the sannyasi who give up, gives up his sexual life, takes a vow of celibacy, is the most unchaste human being, because he is tortured by it. Right? Yes. Look at it. He takes a vow, and for the rest of his life he is fighting it. He is burning with desire. And he has never understood the whole meaning of pleasure and desire. And such a tortured human being thinks he can come to reality. So look what you have made of it. So in that question arises, what is celibacy? They are all based on pleasure, reward and punishment. What is celibacy? What is a chaste chaste mind? Is a mind that is driven by desire, tortured by passion, lust, controlled, not daring to look at a woman or a man, a tortured mind. Can such a mind come to reality? So what is a mind that is chaste? The word chaste means pure, unadulterated. A mind that has no conflict, that is the real chaste, clean, Pure mind that has never known conflict. It is only such a mind that can understand love, that can see the purity of eternity. So it is very important. If life has to be a something totally different, something that has love, beauty, that we understand this thing called pleasure, fear, pain and punishment. So Is love pleasure? Is love desire? 
is love the pursuit of what has been, which has given you great delight. Please, not as an idea, observe it. Look at your own life. Do you know what love means? Do you know what compassion means? Or you say, compassion, love should be that. So we're asking if love is pleasure. Don't say no. You don't know anything about it. Because you have never gone into it, you never questioned it, you have accepted traditional meaning of it. Look, if you loved your son and daughter, would you educate them, educate them as you are educating them now? To, be, to conform to the society, that's what your education is. Do observe it. To get a job, marry, settle down and rot, or get killed in a war. That's what you call education. And you say, I love my son, daughter. Is that love? Is there love when you are ambitious? How can an ambitious man love How, or have compassion? The word compassion means that's a beautiful word. Compassion means passion for all, and passion means passion comes when there is suffering. Out of suffering comes passion. So you must understand suffering. And when we are all human beings suffer, in one way or another, but we try to escape from that suffering, run away from it, give thousand explanations for it, rational, irrational, factual, non-factual. But we never stay with that suffering, not morbidly, but be with it, as you would be with something that gives you great pleasure. You don't want it to go away. You don't run away from pleasure. So be completely, totally with that thing called suffering, without a single movement away from it. Then out of that comes the tremendous energy, which is compassion, which is passion, not lust. And 
a man who is competitive, self-centred, lives in ideas, who is jealous, how can he know love? And yet all of you are that, aren't you? Hmm? You are ambitious, aren't you? Don't look at it. You are competitive, and competition, competition means conformity. And when the mind is conforming to a pattern, it's not a free mind to inquire. The final extract this week is from the fourth talk in Madras, 1967, titled Without Passion There Is No Love. Seems to me that certain absolute things that are necessary, not something to be gained, something you practice, something you do day after day, That is, there must be passion without motive. Passion, which is not the result of some commitment or attachment or a motive. Because without passion, You cannot see beauty, not the beauty of a sunset as that, or the beauty of a structure, beauty of a poem, beauty of a bird on its wing. But a beauty that is not an intellectual comparative a social thing. And to come upon that beauty there must be passion. And to to have that passion there must be love. Just listen to it. You can't do a thing about all this. You cannot practice love. Then it becomes mere kindliness, generosity. Gentle, a state of non-violence, peace, but it has nothing whatsoever to do with love. And without passion and beauty there is no love. Just listen to it, don't argue, don't discuss how, you know, it's like leaving a door open. If you leave the door open, breeze of an evening comes in. You can't invite it. You can't prepare for it. You can't say, I must, I must not. 
Can't go to religion, to ritual, all those. Just leave the door open, which means which means this very simple act. An act which is not of will, which is not of pleasure, which is not projected by a cunning mind. Just to leave a door open. And that's all you can do. You can't do anything else. You can't sit down to meditate. Make the mind silent by force, by compulsion, by discipline. Such a silence is noise and endless misery. All that you can do is to leave your mind, a door of the mind open. And you cannot leave that my door open if you're not free. 